Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. Today, I'm joined by Earl Adams, and Earl is the CMO of Jay Galt Finance Suites. Uh, and, and I've been looking forward to this personally because this is a topic that I'm not probably nearly as educated on as I should be, you know, at this point, owning multiple businesses, having even, you know, sold one of our businesses recently. So um, I think anyone listening, um, whether you are already a small business owner or, you know, kind of in that aspiring business owner category, this is an important topic that for whatever reason, I don't think gets talked about enough. So with that, Earl, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate you making some time. Yeah, no problem. Hey, I appreciate you having us. Uh, yeah, my my pleasure. Uh, my pleasure for sure. So tell us a little bit about, you know, just at a high level, what does Jay Galt Finance Suites specialize in? So our focus is on the primary pillar, the primary problem within business today, which is businesses consistently go out there and they use their own personal assets to secure funding and resources for their businesses to keep them afloat, if you will, to keep the doors open, to help them expand and things like that. And it's one of the most unnecessary, but also one of the most well-hidden secrets within the business world, unless you're um, big, big corporate, Wall Street, if you will. So um, we're essentially on a crusade to reposition SMBs on a micro level, like a Wall Street company, by bringing tools to the table that they otherwise wouldn't be able to um, have access to or afford. I'm sure we'll get into more detail as the conversation progresses, but could you give us a few examples of what what some of those tools are and where you sure. see, you know, I guess some of the low-hanging fruit when you start working with a client. Well, it's, it's probably better to frame it. I mean, if you okay. look at last year, um, last year was 594,000 businesses shut their doors forever. They did a polling like they typically do of those businesses when this was, when this goes on every year, let's keep our data and analytics analytics up, but consistently it's always the same data. And last year was no no big change in that 83% of them said, if I had access to credit and capital, I could have kept my doors open, but I didn't. Yeah. But what's really unique about that is of the 594,000 that shut down, on average, they were left with over $80,000 worth of business debt that was now assigned to them personally in that exit. So our goal is to position businesses right off the bat to where they don't ever have to use their own personal finances, their personal credit, 
to fund things for their business. And it's really simple, really, when you look at it, because every business that's an LLC or above, whether it's S-Corp or C-Corp, has what's called an EIN number. Mm-hmm. And the federal government, IRS issues it. The federal government recognizes that as its own entity, which means it's a social security number for your business. What's unique about it is you can build 10 to 100 times the credit on that EIN number than you could ever get on your social security number. So it's ridiculous to utilize your own personal credit when it comes to funding and securing things for your business. But we um, we have a tendency to uh, approach our business like it's one of our kids. The difference being we co-sign for it forever and it's wholly unnecessary. I, I have five boys and a girl. One of them's perfect. Um, just ask her, she'll tell you. But <laughs> I believe it. I We've all came to dad at some point and said, dad, will you help me get an apartment? Will you help me get a car? And they they all get that that credit responsibility speech about going forward. And, and I'm not going to carry you and don't do me wrong, but I'll help you out. Well, I, I hear business owners for the last 35 years of my life repeatedly say, this business is my baby, Wes. I, I love yeah. it. Um, this It means everything to me. It's my baby. Well, if it's your baby, you're, you're essentially saying this is my kid, but we'll, we'll co-sign for it and do it forever, perpetually, even risk everything that we've spent our life gaining to keep that baby afloat. Yeah. It's, it's unnecessary. Yeah, that's a, it's a good analogy, right? Because like most parents are not going to want to co-sign for their kids forever. Like, sure, I'll do it to help you get started. But in the interest of helping you establish your own credit, teaching you, you know, how to be responsible with it. And then the goal is, of course, eventually they're out on their own. They don't need your support, at least in in that regard. So why why is this not something that's talked about more often, or at least in, in my world, which is, you know, I know you work with with businesses of you know, kind of ranging sizes, you know, I'm more involved with small businesses and the franchise kind of sector. And I, and I work with a lot of funding specialists that are, you know, there to help people get the capital they need to launch a business. But, you know, this is not something that I hear talked about very often, at least in my circles. Well, it's, it's an unfortunate side to things that it's not even taught. So I yeah. deal with people all that have MBAs and multiple disciplines. There might be a PhD. Um, talked to a guy just a few days ago, straight out of Wharton School of Business. You know, he he'd had his master's. He's you know should be the most educated there is when it comes to this stuff. And they're like, yeah. they don't teach. Uh, and as such, you know, we get professors calling us saying, "Can you can you do a breakout type seminar?" Um, we're constantly being asked to go and speak to speak to people on this, but. There's a bigger reason behind it, um, and, and I think it's a two-prong reason, really. Number one, the institutions, if they're lending money, why wouldn't they get personal guarantees? If they can get it, yeah. you need it, why not get it? Um, one of the big banks out there just hired 500 brokers this last year to get HELOCs put on out there. You know, their whole their whole goal is to contact businesses. Hey, let's, would you like a HELOC for your business? Just um, put your personal home up as collateral. Yeah. Look, they're not dumb. They're they're in the banking industry. They know what the failure rate is on those HELOCs. They also know what kind of money they're going to gain from the interest on it. And yep. they also know what that appreciable asset tied to it is going to gain. 
So where's the bigger win? If if you if you look at the epitaphs on the internet, which is bank-owned properties, it's it's astounding. It's it's horrifying. Now the other reason is business credits different than personal credit. Personal credit is almost auto magic, right? You, you you get out, you get a credit card, maybe you get a loan on a vehicle, and all of a sudden you've got three different scores: one on TransUnion, one on Experian, one on Equifax, mm-hmm. and you're on. Well, I, I made the payment at the same time. Why is my score differently? And it, it's it's almost magic how this stuff happens. And it's it's sort of a long process. Business credits very very intentional. Okay, it's intentional all the way down to the to the degree that if you don't know who you're utilizing and who you're dealing with, you're almost throwing spaghetti against the wall in the process of building out that credit. Meaning you need to know what the underwriting criteria is on the lenders that are offering corporate credit based on your EIN. And you also need to know who they report to. So that becomes the the pitfall, the 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 dam, if you will, yeah. in that process building. So there's a there's a couple different facets of it, but um I, I lean a little bit more towards the institutional side. Why would we tell them? But it's interesting if Walmart today goes and buys a toaster, you go there, they buy a toaster, you go into the store, you buy that toaster, that money hits their bank account before they ever pay for the toaster. Yeah. Well, what a business model? They're all operating on business credit because they know how. Yeah. Your SM don't. Now, so that leads me to another question, you know, kind of taking your example with Walmart. Mm-hmm. They're obviously a global multi-billion dollar company, so makes sense that they have an understanding of this and you know likely have some leverage with the institutions is this something that you know a, a brand new small startup business you know if they have the proper guidance and and education can start doing themselves or is this something that's kind of you know excluded to larger you know billion dollar companies no, it's it's not it's not all ex- at all exclusive. The difference is knowing versus not knowing. So it, they have an EIN just like your dog walking service has an EIN if they're an LLC or above. It's a social security number. You can build credit on it. Um, if you look at it from the lending standpoint, there's lenders and there's borrowers. The people in the lending business are in the business of lending. They're looking for people to lend to. They're hoping that they hit the qualifications. So it's just boom, boom, boom. I gave you money. This is how we gain money. This is our. This is the business that we're in, right? So they're not. They're not out there to not give people money, but they have their own rules, their own guidelines, their own right, their own things in order for you to get money. You have to play your part in aligning things for them so that you can get it. And it's not difficult if you know how to do it. So anybody can go out and build business credit. That's the truth. The sad reality associated with it is, on average, your average business owner, A, because they're building out a business, but B, because it is a little bit difficult in knowing what paths to take. Um, it takes them about five to seven years to accomplish what what my company can help them accomplish in eight to 12 months. So really? there, there's a faster path. But yeah, if, if you were to reach out into the ethosphere and you were to pull every single component of what it takes to actually systematically build corporate credit on a person's EIN number and compress it down chronologically, that, that's really what we've done. And, you know, it's a daunting task um, initially, but once it's there, it's there. The, the rules don't really change. Just the lenders and vendors change as time goes on. 
Okay. So using that example, what your firm can do in, you know, typical eight to 12 months, which someone on their own trying to figure it out, you know, that's more like a five to seven year process. What is, what is that? Where is the company at, you know, in that eight to 12 months, if they're working with you guys, are they, should they be in a position at that point to where any additional capital they need, vehicles they need, you know, go lease a warehouse. I mean, obviously it depends on the type of business and what their needs are, but should they at that point be in a position where they no longer have to leverage their personal credit to get what they need to keep growing and scaling their business? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the simple answer is yes. Everybody always has to be a good steward of their credit, right? Obviously there's, yeah, and many variables involved, I understand, but is that possible within a year to get to a point where you no longer need to leverage your, your personal credit? Well, our platforms help 43,000 businesses plus that would say yes, certainly. So yeah, it's definitely possible. There's actually four tiers of credit. So it growth goes up incrementally. It, okay. it really, your risk factor and then what you're really qualified for in lending tier four is the promised land where everything opens up but here's here's the the interesting thing when people use terms like credit people think oh here's lump money um right now i can go spend it the reality is we spend money every single day in our business if we're buying toilet paper we're pulling money off the table to go and buy that toilet paper yeah or we're paying for our cell phones or the fuel that goes in our rigs Every single facet of how you spend your money should be done through corporate credit. Okay. The reason is that mechanism helps you build and establish credit as you go along. You're going to spend the money anyway. So it's yeah. not about going, taking out credit and spending unnecessary money. It's sure. changing the way that you spend your money so that when you need the big money, you're already pre-positioned because you have a track record in history and it, and it happens quickly it really does within a couple of months you know we have people with fuel cards and, and the, they're they're yep. taking care of their phones and things like that so if you go at it from that mentality look here's a pile of money on my table i can either pull the dollars off of it and go and spend it now yep. or i can operate on corporate credit and then pay it when the bill comes due that's going to increase my credit score and that money stays on the table that's a big deal especially in the trades where a yep. lot of times your customers' problems become your own. You get to the end of the job, you're you're getting ready to get that final payout, and they're like, "Hey, I know I owe you, but I'm not going to have the money for 30 days." Yeah. My checks flow. in the mail. Um, yeah. Heard that one more than I would uh, care to, um, especially with the the last business that we had that we just sold. So, I mean, it's it's really similar to personal credit in the sense of like, you know, my wife and I have a credit card. We put all of our day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month expenses on, pay the balance at the end of the month. You know, there's some points and rewards that come with that. Like we're getting ready to take our kids to Disney, you know, in about a month. And, you know, a lot of that's covered through the points on this card, but it's also building our credit as long as we're responsible with it, right? And don't start carrying over a balance or making the minimum payments or, or being late on it. So, yeah, that's a good point that you make when, you know, on the business side of it, it's not that you have to go and take a, a loan out or some big lump sum of money that you may or may not need. It's vehicle payments, it's fuel cards, it's 
you know, maybe even your your lease or at least your utilities. You know, in, in our insulation business, the the primary distributor we bought our products from, I think in 2023, we spent, you know, five hundred thousand dollars or so with them. You know, and and we did use a a company Amex for that, mm-hmm. um, because they were they were willing to let us do that. Now, I don't know that we were really benefiting from any business credit, though, because those Amexes are still ultimately linked to us personally. Had we stopped making the payments, been late on the payments, that would have had a trickle down negative effect on our our personal credit. Yeah, so I'll share a couple of little interesting tidbits and secrets, delineations between the two. Okay. Personal credit, you, you want to you don't want to carry more than thirty percent of your balance right out in mm-hmm. debt. Um, they'll actually start diminishing your score if you do that. Business credit's a lot different in that they want you to use all of it, okay. max it, pay it off. We'll just give you more. You've shown that you can pay. Max it out. We'll give you more. It's totally, totally different in that regard. Um, it's, it's a big, that's the perk, I guess, if you will, as it relates to business credit, because you can really build it up. We took a, um, a transportation trucking company, been in business for quite a while. And this is what I frequently see. We'll pull business credit, which doesn't impact scores on business credit on business, okay. business to business. And we frequently see businesses that have top line revenues of five million plus, and they have a a, a credit fundability range of around fifteen hundred dollars. And they're going, "What? How's that possible?" So we we took a trucking and transport company a little while back. Um, Ten months we took them from I think it was twelve hundred dollars in recommended credit to eight hundred and seventy thousand roughly in amalgamated credit. And this is fuel cards, equipment leasing, and all that kind of stuff. So really anywhere a person wants to go in their business, whether it's expansion, whether it's, you know, more employees, marketing, all the sundries, anything and everything, it, it can get amalgamated in in, in a short order and, and be handled. Regard, but people are just so unaware of it. And, and here's the other big secret. Less than 7% of the people that offer corporate credit even report to Dun & Bradstreet, Business Equifax, or Business Experience. So if you don't know who it is, like what you just said, well, I, I know I was doing this on the business. I don't even know if it was building my credit. If you don't know, you don't know. So there's this misnomer as it relates to credit. It's almost like there's three types of credit. It's not literal, but this is kind of the way it works. You have credit on your social security number. That's personal credit. And we have what we call business credit, which is here's my business name on it. And there's my name and I'm doing it through my business. My EIN is attached to it, but my social security number is securing that. Yeah. So default, they're going to still go after my social security number. Where you want to be is the promised land, which is just straight on your EIN. Because why do we get an LLC, Wes? To protect ourselves. Yeah, we want the tax advantages, right? It, it adds credibility to the business. I'm a corporation, but we may have spent the last 25 years of our lives paying for our homes, setting up 401ks, kids' college funds, paying for boats and vehicles. And we want that corporate veil there. So a lot of yeah. people have been in business for a long time. So one of the approaches that a person should look at is, here, let's build up some corporate credit. Let's jump on the other side of the corporate veil, pay off these encumbrances, flop them back over on the other side of the corporate veil where now it's standalone corporate credit and you're now clean and clear. Let's get that corporate veil repaired. Yeah. So it actually, that's what it's intended to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess a, another question that comes to mind as you talk through this. So, you know, what are what are the first steps? And I understand that, you know, you guys probably, um, you know, don't want to come on a podcast and, and give away, you know, exactly what it is that you do for your clients. But, you know, where should someone start? Uh, and, and I guess the 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 precursor to that question is, what about the the guy that's been in business for 10 years, you know, doing maybe a couple million a year in revenue? Is it too late to start working on building this business credit? Does this have to really be started from the inception of the business? Or, I mean, it sounds like you guys work with all types of companies. Um, so So this is not the type of thing where, you know, if you didn't start working on these things early on, you've kind of missed the boat. I yeah. I assume. Uh, yeah. Um we, we have company, we have one company that does four hundred and fifty million dollars a year. They've been around for fifteen plus years. No problem. Uh they're, they're looking at it. Well, we're on the cap table, we're managing members. We have debts and encumbrances associated with the business. We're sitting over here on the cap table. We would love to have that cleaned up, you know. Let's get this over where it belongs. Let's build corporate credit. And then I have, um, I, it always always comes to mind, we had a dog walking service. I was like, are, are you sure? Are you sure you want this? Yes, I want to add on to my garage. We don't have the personal credit to do it. And, and it doesn't take good personal credit to get great corporate credit. That's okay. the other distinction. So it's, it's important to know that. So at any point in time, once you know, then you know, right? It becomes a derelict duty if you know that it's possible and you know there's a way to do it and you don't take advantage of it, it's a dereliction of duty, not only to yourself, to your family, but also the people that you employ and their family. So right off the bat, as a company, you've got to make sure you're foundationally strong. And I, I, it doesn't matter to me to tell you, I, look, LexisNexis has a scoring mechanism. It hits about 125 different points. Lenders, insurance, and stuff like that, they're saying, hey, Lexus Nexus, should we give them money? Well, they're going, well, you know what? Your, your address on your application here with your state license has a, an extra space where it matter. It's over here on your corporate license. And oh, your phone number's not listed on the 411 directory. And doggone it, you're using a Gmail instead of um, Bob, it's Bob at gmail.com, and it's not Bob at Bob's Plumbing. Dot com. That's yeah. not very credible. You must be a pop-up fly-by night. Yeah. So there's all different pieces that, from a foundation standpoint, you got to get in place. There's about 125 of them. And, and knowing how to do it, how to navigate it, and do it quickly, that's, that becomes a secret. Now, I think back about one of the um, one of the very first companies I ever helped. It was an interesting gentleman. He, he had a, a big um, steel erection building company. Okay. Did add-ons targets and stuff like that uh, he said i i have to have this i have to have this it's just killing me i got crews all over the place i'm paying for welders and fuel and meals and hotels and all these things i i need corporate credit I, I'm, I'm using my wife's card it's going up and down she's she's mad as heck she can never go shopping right <laughs> gotta keep my wife happy decline for groceries yeah not a good a place to be in <laughs> he became a member with us and um never actually logged in, never actually looked at the system or the platform that we have, never even created a username. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I just don't have time. Well, 
most business owners are really busy. Mm-hmm. They're busy building their business. They don't have time to focus on this, no matter how simple it is. Mm-hmm. What was interesting is he had a 15-year-old daughter who said, I'll do it, Dad. Logged in and built stellar corporate credit for Dad. It was really that simple because this honestly paid my numbers if you know what steps to take. Right. So you guys, you guys have essentially built out a playbook of, you know, start here and then it's step by step. Whereas, you know, the average business owner that's not familiar with business credit, could they figure it out if they really set their mind to it? Probably, but it could take years and, and, you know, not the best just like it's not the best use of of any business owner's time to do their own books hire a bookkeeper right right hire hire you know someone like you guys that's done this countless times at this point understands the the formula if you will uh and you're going to start you know reaping the the benefits of that uh far sooner um i i can only assume so well give away a free ebook well we don't mind telling you how to do it it's we'll tell you how to do it we'll give you an ebook you still have to commit to going through the steps and now you have to go through all you better be good at spreadsheets right um there's and there's a lot of quote unquote internet gurus out there that are in their vehicles or walking through a park doing a selfie on if you want to build corporate credit you want to get a new vehicle today credit card stacking is the way to go and yeah just yeah. one little piece in this big embodiment of what needs to take place. Number one, I don't take advice from people who do selfies in vehicles. I just don't as it relates to business. But Well, they uh, probably rented the vehicle for the day anyways. Right. <laughs> so, I think there's a lot of that going on with the the you know social media gurus out there. Um, there's a lot of noise. It's hard to know you know, who's legit and really knows what they're talking about. And and you always got to look at, you know, kind of what's the, what's their motivation behind it. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's one of these things. And I think a lot of small business owners struggle with it where they just get bogged down in the weeds. And, you know, I think sometimes it's almost intentional because it's a distraction. It makes them feel busy, but you know, it, kind of frees them up from having to go do the hard work that they really should be spending their time on where they can move the needle in their business. I I think it's why more small businesses don't scale or scale beyond a certain point because owners are either not comfortable delegating or building out a team. And to me, a team can be, you know, vendors, subcontractors. It doesn't have to be direct you know, hires reporting right up to you as the owner. Um, but you see it all the time. I mean, in, in my world of franchises, you can look at any franchise organization, you know, even very established, very successful brands, they're all going to have, you know, a, a bell curve in terms of franchise owner performance. And, you know, the things that the the top performing owners and that could be top performing in terms of, you know, they've scaled to, you know, many locations. They, you know, are the highest volume franchise owners in the system. It could also be someone that's smaller in terms of volume and units, but they run a very profitable business. They've they focus the majority of their efforts on the things that only they as owners can do. And they figured out how to delegate everything else. 
And to me, this is a perfect example of that where, you know, why spend who knows how many hours trying to figure something like this out on your own when you could just bring in experts, get the results a lot more quickly, but also just, you know, keep your time free to focus on the the areas that only you can really have the the most impact. Um, you know, mentor of mine, uh, Jack Daly, you know, drilled something in my head years ago. He calls it HPAs, high payoff activities. Figure out what your high payoff activities are and, and you know, do your damnedest to make sure that that's where, you know, at least 80% of your working time is spent on those, those high payoff activities. So... If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. Anyways, I, I digress from that point, but you mentioned something earlier that that I think is important to maybe you know highlight here, which is the the cash flow benefits that can come from building good business credit. I think last time you and I talked, I shared a little bit of our experience building an insulation business. And, you know, it was a great business in terms of, you know, potential, you know, we pretty quickly ramped it to a seven figure business. We're able to continue growing it from there, but it was nonstop headaches. And, you know, on paper, we're making money, but in terms of, you know, really getting to a, a spot where we were comfortable with cash reserves and, you know, comfortable, really starting to distribute any of the profits to ourselves as owners. Um, it, it was a cash flow nightmare. And, you know, I've got to think, you know, had we understood some of these things, that would have been, that would have played out very differently. Um, and, and so curious, you know, 
what are some maybe some stories or some examples where you know your firms come in with an existing company and you know help them really free up cash flow that's so critical to to any business but especially businesses that are that are earlier on yeah um and one comes right to mind it's interesting you using terms like cash flow and things like that i definitely want to digress back over at some point to the franchiser thing because we're just huge in that that arena franchisers some franchisees but let's talk about let's talk about cash flow freeing up cash and things like that we actually have a platform that we will give people um for forever we sold it for thirty six hundred dollars a year it's cash flow mapping and it's a way to actually know where your money's going it's simple algorithms you just type in the normal stuff you put into quickbooks and it'll actually break down in kpis and graphic we had a um a Mexican restaurant we were dealing with and their top three selling items they were losing money on. They, but it was the top three items that they sold, but they lost money every single time. They're like, we can't get rid of it because everybody comes in and then somebody's ordering something different. So what do we do? So we plugged all those things in there and looked at the labor, looked at the expenses, looked at the time, looked at everything. And it literally broke it down and mapped out where their money should be going and how they should be allocating the money and what the adjustments are to turn it into a profitable item and on the front side people go up you're selling for a dollar not making the money sell it for a dollar fifty it's not as simple as that right it's because food prices fluctuate it's almost like the stock market when it comes to food so really understanding all the different nuanced things behind it but yeah now if we talk about cash flow modeling as a business as a whole anytime the best, the best way to look at it is every dollar that comes in, throw it on your kitchen table instead of the bank, instead of on a spreadsheet, not literally. But if you were to proverbially throw it on the kitchen table and every time you had to pull, um, pay for something, you pulled money off that table, that pile is going to go down and then it's going to go up and it's going to go down as money comes in and out, the ebb and flow of it. But as it relates, especially in the trades industry where you're paying for employees, you're paying for products or maybe you're a real estate investor and you, you got to go to Home Depot and you got to go to Lowe's, you got to go to Granger, United Rentals, get equipment and things like that. By the way, all vendors that we have that will report to your business credit. Um, if that money stays on your table, let's say you, you're rehabbing a house and you're closing 30 days farther than your anticipated date. Okay. My cash stayed there for X amount of time. By the time the cash comes off the table to pay the debts on the credit, well, now my credit has extended again, right? Now that credit's freed up. So it's like this, right? It's on the table and credit goes like this. The cash goes up and then you got to pay off the credit. Well, as you're paying off the credit, the cash goes down, but the credit goes up. So it's like pulling your money. Now, people who have more than one LLC, there's a leveraging aspect there. If you can build a million dollars in credit on this LLC, a million on this LLC, a million on this LLC, they can lend to each other. All of a sudden, now you have three million available versus a million. Okay. So there's there's so many different facets to it. There, um, and we can talk about this one till the cows come home. Frankly, yeah. it's, well, and it's, it's, I mean, it's probably one of the biggest thing that that kills new small businesses before they really, you know, they're either undercapitalized from the the get-go or they get into cash flow, you know, issues in the first six to 12 months and, and they don't know how to manage that appropriately. Um, so it's, I mean, we, we learned that lesson because the, 
the other business that that we've built and and still own uh at least the other franchise business we don't we don't have those cash flow issues it's a custom made product you know pretty high ticket take a you know 50% deposit at the time we sign a sales contract with the client because everything's made custom then we order then we have terms kind of like your your example with Walmart and the toaster we're paid in full you know on those jobs before we have to turn around and pay for the product so you know very very different look um and you know i'll take a a good cash flowing business any day over one that's got slower cash flow um or you know leverage a smart business credit strategy to alleviate some of the the strain of a slow cash flowing business well here's another fun way to look at it <clears throat> most of us have went to a dealership and bought a car mm-hmm. we go through that whole rigmarole of buying the car and negotiating this that and the other we think it's all done we end up back in the finance office and they tell us all the neat stuff we can get for our new investment right and one of those things is you can get a service contract because, you know, these cars nowadays, they're like laptops on a skateboard and you're going to run it through the winter. You probably want a service contract for the low, low price of four or $5,000. Yeah. You want to protect your investment. And this is going to be good for three years, right? Or four years. You got to protect your investment, except this investment that they're talking about is a depreciable asset. But we'll go and we'll spend four or five grand so that if the transmission goes out, the engine goes out. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't get it. I'm, I'm a huge advocate, especially if you utilize them. Yep. But for similar money, a person can protect their appreciable asset for the lifetime of it against the number one reason it might fail. Yeah. But you got to worry about your engine, your tranny, your electronics, your wheels, blah, 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 blah. Your business, the number one reason it, it has a chance of failing is you run out of money. You don't have it when you need it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't a person leverage against it? Look, I, and I, I say that sort of from a, a, a pulpit here. Yeah. Because I owned and operated businesses for 35 years. I built businesses. And even, even a young age for my first lemonade stand i sold some lemonade and i took my profits and bought some more lemons and then i thought well i can have john and mike open a stand and i'll buy their lemons and sugar and i'll get them selling for me and i'll take a piece off of it so i went and invested all my own money in more lemons and sugar and then it started raining and it rained for three weeks and john and mike lost interest yeah my skinny butt left the sugar by the garage it all melted in the rain the lemons went bad and my business was gone right yeah, but it's that basic lesson we never learned, it, and I didn't learn it. Thirty-five years, I never knew. I didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew you could, but I certainly didn't know how. And frankly, yeah. I was busy building the business to figure it out. I, I wish I'd known then what I know now, but I didn't. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, the the not knowing how, that's where people stop, right? Whereas, like, you know, if you go to the links to, you know, it looks like you guys offer free consultations and a variety of steps before anyone has to commit to you and and actually, you know, pay anything. But once you've paid something and now you've got someone else kind of driving uh, or pushing you to do what you need to do, like that's that's what it takes, um, you know, to, to really start taking steps in the right direction. Um, so I want to bring you back to the franchisor franchisee uh 
sounds like you guys have some experience working in the the franchise sector. So what are your thoughts there? Is there, I mean, is there anything different that you may advise someone that owns a franchise versus someone that owns their, their own kind of independent business? So like the, the franchise or franchisee, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you, you know, as well as I do, there's there, you have to have X amount of liquid when you come into a franchise, typically yep. they're that and and they're going to get you in and you you're you're you've got this pie in the sky this is the amount of revenue we do on average per per unit really the the goal is for the franchisors for that individual that's already learned all the constructs to open up other franchises right yes a huge expense as a franchiser to try to go and find new people then there's a training period that acclimation period the big win for them is if they can diminish that cost to find other franchisees and the franchisees are already positioned in a way that throughout the course of this, they're already pre-positioned financially to go and pop up multiple franchises underneath that underneath that umbrella. They're far better served. So um, when we sit down with franchisers, they're they're literally changing their disclosures midstream and sending out addendums. I mean, they're going, you got to do this because they know if they're already positioned with credit, capital, and resources they wouldn't otherwise have. Not only does it secure against debts and encumbrances that might cost them their home and their vehicles, but it repositions them as a real true corporate entity that has the ability to go and do more. And people think, well, oh, man, this there's a reason you pay for insurance, right? But you don't know how to write the policy. It's not like anybody can go out and go, you know, I'm going to do the insurance myself. I'm going to yeah. write my own policy. I'm going to invest. I'm going to put it in a bank account, blah, 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 blah. They don't because there's an ease of use. They, the same thing with this. That's why we have our own internal credit consulting team. We recognize that right off the bat. They're all MBAs, attorneys, CPAs, things like that. They're um, just the best of the best. They literally hold the hand of our members and build out succinctly the type of credit that they need for whatever they want to do. Mary's Cupcake Factory is a lot different than Tom's HVAC and plumbing. Yeah. Totally needs, right? So. Yeah. Um, each builds different, but as it relates to franchisers and franchisees, I mean, it's a boom. It, it's it's a game changer all the way across the board when you position it like that. No doubt. I mean, I I could see why franchisors, you know, once they have an understanding of this, would you know write it into their their agreements that you know this is a requirement for franchisees to work with someone like you and start setting this up from day one. You see it all the time with things like, you know, bookkeeping and HR. A lot of franchisors will have a specific bookkeeping firm that they require all of their franchisees to use. And that's for a couple of reasons. One, they know it's not a good use of the franchisee's time to be dicking around with QuickBooks all the time. But they also want standardization across their franchisee's books because that allows them to you know, leverage this data, establish some benchmarks, which is very, very valuable for, you know, each and every franchisee. You see it with marketing requirements. Most franchisors have a minimum required marketing spend. This is just the franchisor saying, look, we we know what some of the common pitfalls for our franchisees are, right? They're not spending their time in the right places. They're not investing appropriately in marketing. Um they're they're not building business credit, meaning future expansion may take longer. 
Um, so let me ask you this, because, you know, I work with all types of franchises, right? But especially for the brick and mortar storefront type franchises, right? It's very common to see, you know, people come in and secure the rights to develop multiple locations within a market, right? So when that happens, we call this a multi-unit development agreement. They agree to a development schedule with the franchisor. So in other words, so they're paying the franchise fees for say it's three locations, you know, just as an example up front, but they're not trying to simultaneously open three locations, right? They're going to focus on getting a first location open, getting it ramped up, getting it cash flowing, and then they're on a development schedule that they've agreed on with the franchisor. Pretty commonly, you know, franchise want franchisors want to see someone working on their second location within nine to 12 months of, you know, either opening their first location or sometimes it could even be signing the lease for their first location. All right. right. And so sometimes I see a bottleneck or a little bit of a disconnect here, you know, especially if someone's going kind of a traditional SBA lending route where, you know, the bank's going to loan them the money for the the first location. And as long as they've got good credit and, you know, uh, enough liquid to put their cash injection in and, you know, kind of satisfy what the bank's looking for. I don't often see people run into issues getting the loan for, for location number one. But a lot of times by the time they're ready to start looking at location number two, where you know, they're going to be signing another lease. They're going to be doing another build out. Depending on the business, they're going to need equipment, inventory, you know, whatever the, the business requires to, to actually open and start operating. A lot of times the bank wants to see 12 months of positive cash flow before they're going to consider writing a loan for a second location. And, and a lot of times that would take someone well out beyond this development agreement that that they've agreed to with the franchisor and and i will say in my experience most franchisors have some flexibility and you know they're going to work with their franchisees if they do run into some sort of a bottleneck and it's going to take them longer you know to get the next location open as long as they feel like their intention is to keep moving the ball forward and and open as soon as it makes sense to but anyways is is this something that you know having good business credit working on that from day one could that potentially alleviate some of those bottlenecks where maybe the bank does not need to see a full 12 months of positive cash flow before they'd entertain the idea of of lending the money for another location yeah the answer is absolutely um it's the single most important thing anybody can do if they want a growth concept. We recognize right off the bat going out there and dealing with all the thousands of people that we dealt with that a lot of times they have immediate needs. They need money and they need money now. They don't need predatory or usury type lending. Um, we yeah. actually end up buying a 20-year-old finance company that has all the banking relationships. So we own that separate from our primary company. So we have the ability to also divert people over to where they can get 0% money. The average person I think is getting about $106,000 worth of 
immediate funds at 0% for typically 12 months, sometimes up to 18 months, but they have the ability to re-roll that and maintain that 0% for two to two to five years. Okay. So that solves a big problem. But then there's 17 other different ways where they can get the big money. I mean, we have some in funding right now for $200 million plus. So, um, but as it relates to the credit side, really was if, if you could say to someone, Picture this and imagine this, if you will, nine, 10 months down the road, you are sitting in a situation where you know, and you absolutely know that you know, no matter what you ever need as it relates to credit, resources, and funding is always going to be at your fingertips. And it's just almost like collecting baseball cards when you look at the suite of lenders and vendors that are available. Got it, want it, need it, got it, want it, need it, and it's there. That all of that pressure is off. So now anything and everything that you want to do going forward in your business, your initial dream, your initial plan is already pre-plotted and it's so achievable. And it's just one simple little thing. It's your EIN number. What are you going to do with it? What's the point in having a social security number you never build credit on? There's no point. What's the point in having a business social security number that you don't ever utilize? Yeah. There's... So the answer is Yes. 100%. We do it all day, every day. That's what we do. We're almost evangelistic about this crusade that we're on because we watch Wall Street dry up on the daily. Stores closing, legacy stores that have been there forever that, that are gone. And it's a ripple effect that we don't, that people don't really see. Um, the business owner certainly is affected. Their family certainly affected. But then there's the employees of and the families of those employees. And then the families that take care of those families, maybe the church that supports them and the existential things, those ripples go a long ways. If you can impact what causes the ripple, that stone in the in that flat piece of water, which is business credit, then you're protecting things that you may never even be aware of. And it's so simple, but people are unaware of it. It's this, it's this, jealously guarded secret i guess but we're we're disruptors in an industry that didn't exist before and we're we've just we're just changing lives I, and i love it yeah Whether you do it on your own or you do it through us we'll certainly show you how to do it on your own we're happy to do it because we really truly care from that standpoint if you'd like an easier path maybe you don't have the time a person can certainly work through us as well yeah that was close off yeah, well, I think it's a, a great mission. This is absolutely a topic that needs to be talked about more because you're right, it's not taught in business school. I mean, uh, I would venture to guess, you, you may have a more accurate statistic, but I would venture to guess that, you know, 90% of small business owners don't have an understanding, uh, even a basic understanding of the difference between business credit and and personal credit, and the types of opportunities that they they are, you know, likely missing out on by not not having some sort of a strategy in place to build and leverage business credit. Um, real quickly, you know, tell people kind of how your business is structured for anyone that might be interested in engaging with you. You know, we've already mentioned there's some great free resources on the website, which we'll put a link to the website in the show notes, uh, free consultation. But I think you you mentioned, uh, you know, members or membership type type program earlier. So is that is that kind of how this is structured? You're you're paying as a member, which gives you access to coaching, guidance, resources, et cetera. 
Yeah, it's bigger than that. You know, there's so many things. We don't have time today to talk about all the things that we have. But suffice okay. to say, valuations on businesses, there's a lot of things that are compressed. At the beginning of the, the show, our conversation here, I, I, I stated that our really our mission is to reposition businesses on a micro level, like a Wall Street company, by bringing all the tools to the table they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford or have access to. That's really what's behind the membership platforms. We have um, a white glove concierge service that's almost done for you in okay. most. And then we have a, a another membership that's kind of a done with you, where you have your own. A, own consultant, but it really starts with the initial conversation. It's, it's no pressure. This is this is the epitome of sales. It's nothing to do with selling. We know that you need it. You know that you need it. We need to have a conversation as to in what regard do you need it? What is your goals? What's your long-term plan? So that we can formulate a, a conversation that really satiates that need or desire for you. And it, it's no pressure. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's it's a membership type platform. And know this as a company, we are we are constantly on the hunt. We're we're acquiring other companies, bringing them to the table, just to improve and improve upon that journey. But right now, it's just it's unbelievable in the lives that we've been able to change already. Well, I was scroll, scrolling through the website. I mean, there there is a lot that that you guys are offering. So um encourage anyone that's listening and you know knows this is something that you need. Um go get at least start educating yourself. You know, even if that's just doing some some research. I mean, you know, they've got some great resources on their website. I think you mentioned you guys have a, a YouTube channel that you're, you know, regularly posting, you know, good educational type content to as well. So we'll link all that in the the show notes to make it easy for people to find. Um, I think Earl had mentioned, you know, fine for people to email him as well. Um, so I, mean, I have a great team of uh, of professionals that that have all been there and done that. You know, the average age of uh, one of our people is around 50, 50 plus. And so we've all been out there doing it. We've just kind of aligned under the banner here of Jay Galt to, to, to you know, engage in this crusade. We, we want everybody to know we're like Paul Revere, you know, riding through the countryside saying, your credit is messed up. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not leveraging your business credit. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Earl, anything you'd like to to leave the audience with before we uh, wrap this one up and put a bow on it today? If you're a business owner and you're building your dream, you're also affecting other people's dreams. Mm. If you know and you understand what needs to be done, it becomes a dereliction of duty not to explore it and take advantage of it. Whether you're doing it for yourself or with somebody else, you also now have a responsibility to move forward and protect against the number one reason why your business might not be there tomorrow. It's a great point. Very well said. Well, hey, I really appreciate it. I learned a ton, you know, just in this conversation today. I have no doubt that the audience will as well. Um, so love the mission that you guys are on. Wish you continued success. And, uh, you know, hopefully this podcast will, uh, you know, help some business owners, even aspiring business owners, um, you know, understand a little bit more about business credit, know it's something they should be focusing on. And um, appreciate you being here. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Um, anytime, happy to come back. We should do that for sure. We should absolutely do that. Well, Earl Adams, Jay Galt Finance Suites, thank you so much. Thank you, Wes.
that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path, the number two, frdm.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.